Hello and welcome to MORE, which stands for Midday Obviously Reads Everything. So, this is the podcast where I try my very best to finish The Hunger Games. As a self-proclaimed bookworm, it's kind of my duty. So join me and all of my guests as we try to read through the whole series. So sit back and relax as I do my best, my very, very, very best to read all of it. I hope I like it and I hope you like it too. So let's begin. Okay, and welcome to another episode of More. We are back, not in the studio, but like, we're just back. And it's just me today. No guest, which is fine, but we have just finished the part where, oh, poor Rue, you know, we just finished the chapter where Katniss was going to Rue, and Rue's like, Katniss, Katniss, like, help me. And then she gets, like, pierced with a spear, which is very graphic. Um, That was the end of chapter 17. We're on... Now to chapter 18, so let's go ahead. <clears throat> the boy from District 1 dies before he can pull out the spear. My arrow drives deeply in the center of his neck. He falls to his knees and has in the brief remainder of his life by yanking out the arrow, drowning in his own blood. I'm reloading, shifting my aim from side to side when I shot at Rue. Are there more? Are there more? She has to say no. She has to say no several times before I hear it. Rue has rolled to her side. Her body curved in and around the spear. I shove the boy away from her and pull out my knife, freeing her from the neck. I'll look at the wound and know it's far beyond my capability to heal. Beyond anyone's probably. The spearhead is buried up the shaft in her stomach. I crouch before her, staring helplessly at the embedded wedding. Well, but there is no point in comforting words and telling her she'll be all right. She's no fool. Her hand reaches out and I clutch like a lifeline. As if it's me who's dying instead of Rue. You blew up the food, she whispers. Every last bit, I say. Half the win, she says. I'm going to. I'm going to win for both of us now, I promise. I hear a can and look up. Must be for the boy from District 1. Don't go, Rue tightens her grip on my hand. Of course not. Staying right here, I say, moving closer, pulling her head onto my lap. I gently brush the dark, thickly hair behind her ear. Sing, she says, but I barely catch the word. Sing, I think. Sing what? I do know a few songs. Believe it or not, there was once music in my house, too. Music I helped make. My father pulled me into that remarkable voice, but I haven't sung much since he died. Except when Prim is very sick. And I sing the same song she liked as a baby. Sing. My throat is as tight with tears, hoarse from smoke and fatigue. But if this is Prim's, I mean Rue's, last request, I have to at least try. The song that comes to me is a simple lullaby, one we sing fretful, hungry babies to sleep with. It's old, very old, I think, made up long ago in our hills. <clears throat> long ago in our hills. What my music teacher calls a mountain air. But the words are easy and soothing, promising tomorrow will be more hopeful than this awful piece of time we call today. I give a small cough, sharp swallow, and begin. Deep in the mat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't know if I want to sing it. Should I sing it? I'll sing it for all you listen. No, no, no. I won't sing it. Maybe. Deep in the meadow, under the willow, a bed of grass, a soft green pillow. Lay on your head and close your sleepy eyes, and when again they open, the sun will rise. Here it's safe, here it is warm, here the daisies guard you from every harm. Here your dreams are sweet, and tomorrow brings them true. Here's a place where I love you. Rue's eyes have fluttered shut. Her chest moves, but only slightly. My throat releases the tears and slide down my cheek. I have to fan the song for her. 
Deep in the meadow, hidden far away, cluck of leaves, a moon beam ray. Forget your woes and let your troubles lay, and when again it is morning, they'll wash away. Here it is safe, here it is warm, here the daisies guard you from every harm. Final lines are barely audible. Here your dreams are sweet, and tomorrow brings them true. Here is the place where I love you. Everything's still and quiet, and almost eerily the mocking jays take out my song. For a moment I sit there, watching my tears drip down on her face. Bruce cannon fired. Lean forward and press my lips against her temple. Slowly as if not to wake her, I lay her head back on the ground and release her hand. I want me to clear out now so they can collect the bodies. There's nothing I can stay for. I roll the boy from District 1 onto his face and take his pack and retrieve the air that ended his life. I cut Ruth's pack from her back as well, knowing she want me to have it but leave the spear in her stomach. Weapons and bodies will be transported to the hovercraft. I have no use for a spear. The sooner it's gone from the arena, the better. Can't help looking at Rue, smaller than ever, a baby animal curled up in a nest of netting. I can't bring myself to leave her like this, past harm, but seeing utterly defenseless. To hate the boy from District 1, who also appears so vulnerable in death, seems inadequate. It's the capital I hate for doing this all to us. Gale of voices in my head, his raving against Capitol no longer pointless, no longer to be ignored. Rue's death has forced me to confront my own fury against the cruelty, the injustice they inflict on us. But here, even more strongly than home, I feel my impotence. There's no way to take revenge on the Capitol, is there? Then I remember Peta's words on the roof. I only keep wishing I could think of a way to to show the Capitol they don't owe me. I'm more just a piece in their games. First time I understand what he means. I want to do something right here, right now, to shame them, to make them accountable to the Capitol that whatever they do or force us to do is part of every tribute they can't own. <clears throat> that room is more than a piece in their games, and so am I. A few steps into the woods, a blank grows a blank wildflower. Throw the bank of wildflower. Oopsie. Perhaps they're really weeds of some sort, but they have blossoms and beautiful shades of violet and yellow and white. Gather up an armful and come back to her side. Slowly, one step at a time, I decorate her body with in flowers, covering the ugly limb, wreathing her flame, wreathing with her hair with bright colors. They'll have to show it, or even if they choose to turn the cameras elsewhere at this moment, they'll have to bring them back when they collect the bodies, and everyone will see her then and know I did it. I step back and take a last look at Rue. She could really be asleep in the meadow after all. Bye, Rue, I whisper. Press the three middle fingers on my left hand against my lip, hold them out in her direction. And I walk away without looking back. Birds fall silent. Somewhere a mockingjay gives a warning whistle that precedes the hovercraft. I don't know how it knows. Must hear the things humans can't. I pause, my eyes focus on what ahead, not what's happening behind. It doesn't take long for the general bird song to begin again, and I know she's gone. Another mockingjay, a young one, by the look of it, lands on a branch before me and bursts out Rue's melody. My song. The hovering the hovercraft were too familiar for this novice to pick up, but it has mastered her handful of notes. The one she's that means she's safe. Good and safe, I say as they pass under its branch. We don't have to worry about her now. Good and safe. I have no idea where to go. The brief sense of home I had that one night with the roof has vanished. My feet wander this way and that until sunset. Not afraid, not even watchful. Makes me an easy target, except I'd kill anyone I met on sight. But an emotion or a slightest tremor in my hands. My hatred for the capital is not lessened. My hatred of the, my competitors is the least. Especially the careers, they at least can be made to pay for Rue's death. No one materializes, though. There aren't many of us left. It's a big arena. Soon they'll be pulling out other devices to force us together. There's been enough gore today. Perhaps we'll even get to sleep. I'm about to haul my pack into a tree to make camp when a silver parachute floats down and lands in front of me. A gift from a sponsor? But why now? I've been in fairly good shape with supplies. Maybe hang with my despondency and is trying to cheer me up a bit? Or could it be something to help my ear? I open the fair she'll find a small loaf of bread. 
not the fine white capital stuff, made of dark, rash, and grain, and shaped in a crescent, sprinkled with seeds. Flashback to Peter's lessons in various district breads in the training center. This bread came from District 11. I cautiously lift the warm loaf. What must it have cost people in District 11 who can't even feed themselves? How many would have had to do without to shrape up a coin to put the collection for this one loaf? It had been meant for Rue surely, but instead of pulling the gift, and when she died, they'd offer a Hamish gave it to me as a thank you, or because, like me, they don't like to let debts go unpaid. Whatever reason, this is a district gift to a tribute who's not your own. I lift my face and step into the last falling rays of sunlight. My thanks to people of District 11, I say. I want them to know I know where it came from, that the full value of the gift has been recognized. <clears throat> I climb dangerously high into a tree, not for safety, but to get as far away from today as I can. My sleeping bag is rolled um, neatly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> sleeping bag is rolled neatly in Rue's pack. Tomorrow I'll sort through the supplies. Tomorrow I'll make a new plan. But tonight all I can do is shut myself in and take tiny bites of bread. It's good. It tastes like home. Soon the seal in the sky and the anthem plays in my right ear. See the boy from just took one and Rue. That's all for tonight. Six of us left, I think. Only six. With the bread still locked in my hand, I fall asleep once more. Sometimes when things are particularly bad, my brain will give me happy dreams. I visit my father in the woods, an hour of sunlight and cake with Prim. Tonight it sends me Rue, still decked in her flowers, perched in a high sea of trees, trying to teach me how to talk to the mocking jays. I see no sign of her wounds, no blood, just a bright laughing girl. She sings songs I've never heard in a clearer melt from the thoughtful voice. On and on through the night of the drowsy in between period where I can hear the last few strains of her music, although she's lost in the leaves. When I fully awaken, I'm momentarily comforted. I try to hold on to the peaceful feelings of the dream, but it quickly slips away, leaving me sadder and lonelier than ever. Heaviness infuses my whole body as if there's liquid liquid lead in my veins. Uh, I've lost the will to do the simplest task, to do anything but I lie here. Then I'm blinkly through the canopy of leaves. For several hours, <clears throat> I remain motionless. As usual, it's the thought of Prim's anxious face as she watches me on the screen back home that breaks me from my lethargic, lethargic lethargy. I think it's like lethargic, but it's like lethargic -y. So it's like a like more than one lethargy. So she's more than one tired or something. I don't know. I give myself a series of simple commands to follow, like, now you have to sit up, Katniss. Now you have to drink water, Katniss. I act on the order with slow robotic motion. Now you have to sort the packs, Katniss. Ruth's pack holds my sleeping bag, her nearly empty water skin, a handful of nuts and roots, a bit of rabbit, her extra sock, and her slingshot. Boy from District 11 has several knives, two spare spearheads, a flashlight, a small pouch, a first aid kit, a full bottle of water, and a pack of dried up fruit. A pack of dried fruit? Out of all things I have chosen from. To me, this is a sign of extreme arrogance. Why bother to care for you when you have such a bounty in your back of camp? When you will kill your enemies so quickly, you'll be home before they're hungry. I can only hope the other careers travel so lightly that it came to food, and now they find themselves with nothing. Speaking of which, my own supply is running low. Finish off the loaf from District 11 and last of the rabbit. How quickly the food disappears. All I've left are roos, uh, roos, roots, and nuts. The boys dried fruits and one trip of beef. Now you have to hunt, I tell myself, Katniss. I immediately consolidate supplies I, I want my pack. After I climb down the tree, I conceal the boys' knives and the spearheads in a pile of rocks and no one else can use them. Off my bearings, um, what with the wandering I did yesterday evening, by trying to head back to general direction of the stream. Rue's third fire. Until I come across Rue's third unlit fire. Shortly hereafter, I discover a flock of gruesling perched in the trees and take out three before they know what hit them. I turn to Rue's signal fire and start it up, not caring with excessive smoke. Where are you, Kato? I think I roast the birds and Rue's roots. I'm waiting right here. Who knows where the careers are now? Either too hard to reach me 
or too sure this is a trick, or is it possible? Too scared of me? Now I have the bow and arrows, of course. Kato saw me take them from the Glimmer's body, but I figured out. They put two and two together, yeah. Figured out I blew up the careers and killed their fellow. Oh. <laughs> figured out I blew up the supplies and killed their fellow career. Possibly they think Thresh did. Wouldn't it be more likely to revenge Ruth's death than I would, being from the same district? Not that he ever took any interest in her. What about Foxface? Did she hang around to watch me blow up the supplies? No. And I caught her laughing in the ashes next morning as if someone had given her a lovely surprise. I don't think Peter had lit the signal fire. Kato sure, sure he's as good as dead. I myself wish I could tell Peter what the flower put on room, but I now understand what he's trying to say on the rooftop. Uh, perhaps if he wins the game, so he'll see me on Victor's night. When they replay the highlights of the games on a screen over the stage where we did our interviews. The winner sits in a place of honor on the platform, surrounded by their supporting crew. If I took Rube, I'd be there, both of us, and somehow that seems even more important than the vow I gave Prim. I really think I stand a chance of doing it now. Winning. It's not just the arrows are outsmarting the careers a few times, although those things help. Something happened when I was holding Rue's hand, watching the life drain out of her. Now I am determined to avenge her. To make her loss unforgettable. And I can only do that by winning and thereby making myself unforgettable. <laughs> I overcook the birds, hoping someone will show up to shoot, but no one does. Maybe the other tributes are out there betting one another, beating one another, beating one another senseless. Which should be fine. Ever since Bug Bath, I've been featured on screen more than I care. Eventually, I wrap up my food and go back to the stream to replenish my water and gather some. Uh, but the heaviness from the morning drapes back over me, and even though it's only nearing evening, climb to a tree and settle for the night. My brain begins to replay the events from yesterday. I keep seeing Rue's spear, and my arrow piercing the boy's neck. I don't know why I didn't even care about the boy. Then I realized he was my first kill. Although our statistics, they report to help people place their bets. Every tribute had a list of kill. I guess technically, I'd get credit for Glimmer and the girl from Music 4 too, but uh, for dumping that nest on them, the boy from Music 1 was my first person I knew would die because of their actions. Numerous animals have lost their lives in my hand, but only one human. I hear Gail saying, "How different can that really? How different can it really be?" Amazingly similar in the execution. A bow pulled, an arrow shot, entirely different in the aftermath. I kill the boy whose name I don't even know. Somewhere his family is weeping for him. His friends call for my blood. Then you had a girlfriend who really believed he would come back. And I think of Ruth's still body and I'm able to banish the boy from my thought, at least for now. It's been an uneventful day according to the skies. No deaths. I wonder how long we'll get until the next catastrophic catastrophic destroys us back together. It's going to be tonight. I want to get some sleep first. I cover my good ear and block out the strains of the anthem. Then I hear the trumpets and sit up straight and anticipate it. For the most part, the only communication tributes get from outside the arena is the nightly death toll. But occasionally there'll be trumpets followed by an announcement. Usually this will be a call to a feast when the food is scarce. The game makers will invite the players to a banquet somewhere. No one left the cornicorn or an inducement to gather and fight. Sometimes there'll be a feast, sometimes there'll be nothing but a loaf of stale bread or the tributes to compete for. I wouldn't go in for the food, but this would be a, this would be an ideal time to take out a few competitors. Claudius Templesmith's voice booms down from overhead, congratulating the six of us who remain. But he's not inviting us to a feast. He's saying there's something very confusing. It's been a real change in the games. A real change. That in itself has a mind bending has been mind bending since we don't really have any rules to speak of except don't step off your circle for 60 seconds and the unspoken rule about not eating one another. Under the new rule, both tributes from the same district will be declared winners if they are the last two alive. Claudius pauses as if he knows we're not getting it and repeats the change again. The news sinks in. Two tributes can win this year if they're both from the same district. 
Both can live. Both of us can live. Horse on itself, I call out Peta's name, the victor. This is part three. We are now on uh, page 321 and page 19. Um, I wonder if you noticed I'm a little quieter today. It's kind of like because I'm like in a place I don't normally record. So I don't want to be too loud in case people can hear me. So that's what it is. I'm not a Well, I am low energy because Rue's death was sad. That was sad. She put the flower on it. Oh, that's so sad. I can get a dream about Rue. And that's so sad too. Um, But yeah. I've been drinking a smoothie. I drink a smoothie. It is strawberry banana smoothie, and it's really tasty. Um, I love it. And yeah, so we're gonna start chapter nineteen. Uh, this might be a long one today. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <clears throat> I clap my hand over the mouth. <laughs> but the skies, the sounds have already escaped. Gotta go back here and chorus a frog and sing. Stupid, I tell myself, what a stupid thing to do. Wait for them what's to come alive with a silent assailant. Then remember there's almost no one left. Peter, who's been wounding, is now my ally. Whatever else I had about him dissipate because if either of us took the life of others now, we'd be parse par parise when we return to District 12. Zach, I know if I were watching, I was low incredible that you didn't immediately ally with their district partner. So it just makes sense to protect each other. And in my case, being one of the star cross lower from District 12 is an absolute requirement that I want to make any more help from sympathetic sponsors. The star-crossed lovers. PETA must have been playing that angle all along. Why all those game makers have made this unprecedented change in the rules? Where two tributes have a shot at winning our romance must be so popular with the audience that condemning it would be jeopardizing the success of the games. No thanks to me. All I've done is nice not all I've done is nice not to kill PETA. But whatever he's done in the arena, he must have had the honest convinced it was to keep me alive. Shaking his head to keep me from running. In the, to the corny corn, fighting with Kato to let me escape. Even hooking up with the crew must have been a move to protect me. Peta, it turns out, has never been a danger to me. The thought makes me smile. Drop my hands and hold my face up. The moonlight so the cameras can be sure to catch it. So, who is there left to be afraid of? Foxface, the boy true from her district, is dead. She's operating alone at night, and her strategy has been to evade, not to attack. I don't really think that. Even if she heard my voice, she'd do anything but hope someone else might kill me. And there's Thrush. All right, he's, in a, he's a distinct threat. But I haven't seen him, not once, since the game to begin. I think about how Foxface grew alarmed when she heard a sound at the site of the explosion. She didn't turn to the woods, she turned to whatever lie across from it, to the area of the arena that drops off into I don't know what. I feel almost certain that the person she ran from was Thrush, and that his and that's his domain. He'd never have heard me from there, and even if he did, I'm up too high for someone his size to reach. That leaves Catcho and the girl from District 2, who are now surely celebrating the new rule. They're the only ones left to benefit from this, beside Peta and me. Do I run from them now, on the chance they heard me call Peta's name? No, I think. Let them come. Let them come with their night vision glasses and their heavy branch-breaking bodies, right into the range of my arrows. But I know they won't. If they didn't come in daylight to my fire, they won't risk their- Ooh, they won't risk what could be another trap, I think. When they come, they'll be on their own terms, not because I've let them know my whereabouts are. Stay put and get some sleep, Katniss. I inject myself. I wish I could start tracking Peta now. Tomorrow, you'll find him. I do sleep in the morning. I'm extra cautious, thinking that while the careers might hesitate to attack me in a tree, they're completely capable of setting an ambush for me. I make sure to fully prepare myself for the day, eating a big breakfast, securing my pack, ready my weapons before I descend. But all seems peaceful and undisturbed on the ground. <clears throat> Today, I'll have to be scrupulously really careful. The careers will know I'm trying to locate Peta. 
They may well want to wait until I do before they move in. If he's as badly wounded as Cato thinks, I'd be in the position of having to defend us both without any assistance. But if he's that incapacitated, how did he manage to stay alive? And how on earth will I found him? find him? I try to think of anything Peter ever said that might give me an indita- indication to where he's hiding out. Nothing rings a bell. So I go back to the last moment I saw him sparkling in the sunset, yelling at me to run. Then Cato appeared and his sword dropped. And after I was gone, he wounded Peter. How did Peter get away? Maybe he'd held it better against a tracker jacker poison than Cato? Maybe that was the variable that allowed him to escape? But he'd have been stoned too. So how far could he have gotten stabbed and filled with venom? Now he stayed alive all these days since. The wound and the stingers haven't killed him. Surely his thirst would have taken him by now. That's when I get my first clue on his whereabouts. He couldn't have survived without water. I know that for my first few days here. He must have hidden somewhere where, uh, near a source, where there's a lake. So I find an unlikely option since it's so close to the career's camp base. A few spring-fed pools. But you'd really be sitting back at one of those. And the stream, the one that leads from the camp, Rue and I made all the way back near the lake and beyond. If he sunk at the stream, he could change the location and always be near water. He could walk in the current and uh, erase tracks. He might even be able to get a fish or two. Well, it's a place to start, anyway. To confuse my enemy's mind, I start a fire with plenty of green wood. Even if they think it's a ruse, I hope they decide. I'm hidden somewhere nearby. Well, in reality, I'll be tracking PETA. Sun burns off the morning haze almost immediately, and I can tell the day will be hotter than usual. The water is cool and pleasant on my bare feet as I head downstream. I'm tempted to call PETA's name uh, as I go, but I decide against it. I will have to find him with my eyes and only one good ear, or he'll have to find me. But he'll know I'm look I'll be look he'll be he'll woo-hoo. but he'll know I'll be looking, right? He won't have he won't have so low of an opinion of me as to think I'd ignore the new rule and keep to myself, would he? He's very hard to predict with which might be interesting under different circumstances, but at the moment only provides an extra obstacle. It doesn't take long to reach the spot where I peeled off to go to the career's camp. There's been no sight of Peta, but it doesn't surprise me. I've been up and down the stretch three times. Tracker Jacker incident. You were here nearby, I'd have some suspicion of it. I don't think she would. But remember, um, Katniss, oh no, when they were doing like the training, Peta was really good at camouflage. So I really think that Peta is like, he's just hidden in plain sight. Like he's hidden in plain sight. And because he's so good at camouflage, he's just been sitting there and doing, and you know, he's just sitting there. He's here. He's definitely there for sure. Anyway. Um, a stream begins to curve into left, the part of woods that's new to me. Muddy banks covered in tangled water plants lead to large rocks that increase in size until I begin to feel somewhat trapped. It would be no small matter to escape the stream now, fighting off cattle or thrush as I climbed over this rocky terrain. In fact, I've just about decided I'm on the wrong track entirely, that a wounded boy would be unable to navigate getting to and from this water source when I see the bloody streaks going down the curve of a boulder. Long drive now, but the scenery lines running on the side suggest someone, or perhaps... Whom, who perhaps was not fully in control of his own mental f- facilities, tried to wipe away. Hugging the rocks, I moved slowly into the direction of the blood, searching for him. Find a few more blood stains, one with a few threads of fabric glued to it. No sign of a breakdown. Ooh, oopsie, no sign of life. Breakdown, say his name in a hushed voice. Peter, Peter. And the mocking Jane lands, my scrappy, scrappy tree begins to make my cry. So I stop. I give up and climb back down the stream, thinking he must have moved on somewhere further down. My foot has just broken the surface of the water when I hear a voice. You'd have finished me off, sweetheart. I whip round, turn the left, so I can't pick it up very well. The voice was hoarse and weak. Still, it must have been Peter. Who else in the area would call me sweetheart? The eyes peruse the banks. I mean, I peruse right by nothing. Just mud, the plants, and the base of the rock. 
Pita, I whispered, where are you? With no answer. Can I just imagine it? No, I'm certain it was real. Very, I'm very close at hand too. Pita, I do belong the bank. Well, don't step on me. I jumped back. His voice was right under my foot. Still, there's nothing. Then his eyes opened unmistakably blue in the brown mud and green leaves. I gasped and I rewarded with a hint of white teeth as he laughed. The final word in camouflage. Forget chuckling weights around. Peter should have gone to his private sessions with the game makers and painted himself into a tree or a boulder or a muddy bank full of weeds. Close your eyes again, I order. He does. And his mouth, too, completely disappears. From what, from what I judge to be his body is actually under a layer of mud and plants. His face and arms are so artfully disguised to be invisible. Um, oh, it does be invisible. I know this item. I guess all of our decorated cakes paid off. Peter smiles. Yes, frosting. The final defense of the dying. You're not going to die, I tell him firmly. Says who? His voice is so ragged. Says me. We're on the same team now, you know? I tell him. I, my, his eyes open, so I heard. And I see the sign was left to me. I pull out the water bottle and give him a drink. Did Kato cut you, I asked. Left leg up high, he answers. Get you to the stream. Wash you off so we can see what kind of wound you've got. I say, lean down for a minute first, he says. Need to tell you something. I lean over and put my good ear to his lips, which tickles and he whispers. Remember, Romali loves us. All right, kiss me every time you feel like it. I jerk my head back, but end up laughing. Thanks, I'll keep it in mind. At least he's, he'll... At least he's still able to make jokes. Oh, not. Okay. So we're going to finish this last paragraph, and then we're done for today. When I start to help in the stream, the levity disappears. Only two feet away, but how hard can it be? Very hard to realize he's unable to move an inch on his own. He's so weak that the best he can do is not resist. I try to drag him, but despite the fact I know he's doing all he can to keep quiet, and sharp, pains of, uh, sharp cries of pain escape him. The mud and plants seem to have imprisoned him, and I finally have to give a gigantic tug to break him from their clutches. He's still two feet away from the water, lying there, teeth gritted, tears cutting trails on, uh, in the dirt on his face. Look, Pete, I'm going to roll you into the stream. It's very shallow here, okay? I say, excellent, he says. Okay, so we're going to stop here. We're gotten... Uh, I think I missed it. Anyway, found Pita! Yay! So, game's back together. I think it was right. Like, literally, I was like, oh, they're going to change the game. We're going to do something. So, now my predictions are uh, she and Peter are going to team up. Well, they have to team up so they can both win. And then after that, they're going to go and, like, win the game. They're going to win, obviously. And then once they do, they're going to, like, come back to something. They're going to be, like, the new Hey Mitches. Like, when they, uh, I think, like, next year, they'll be, like, the new Hey Mitch. I think. That's what I think. Anyway, that's kind of what I'm thinking. But yeah, anyway, thank you for listening and I'll see you again next time. Bye. Okay, and done. That's it. We got pretty far for today. So I can't wait for the next one. And if I said something wrong, which let's be honest, I probably did, don't hesitate to point it out to me because honestly, if you can't laugh at yourself, who are you actually supposed to laugh at? Am I right? Yeah. Okay, then I'll see you in the next one. Good day out.